0: World Series down with the Atlanta Braves. One of the things that happened with Max was that the two outings before, he pitched terrible. Let up several runs, many hits, and he was asked to do it. And on November 2nd, the sixth game of the World Series, which happened to be the last game of the World Series, he pitched a remarkable game with only four hits, no walks, and striking out six and pitching six scoreless innings. And then the athletes and also commentators said he was in the zone. Now in sports, that means that the person has focused so much on his game that he's playing at his highest potential and he has not allowed any doubt, any fear, any fear of failure, any ideas of distrust or lack of trust in his ability, and overthinking. And mentally tough athletes have an easier time getting in the zone. And when they're in the zone, they're hitting it on full barrels and full cylinders. That focus is so concentrated, it rules out any kind of doubts or anything. And athletes perform in the zone And it feels, they say, so awesome to be on so well. Well, today, the Apostle John is speaking to us. And he's talking to us about being in the spiritual zone with God. He wants us to be overcoming false teachers and false teachings in our society. Not allowing them to confuse our faith. Not letting us struggle in those areas that we often struggle in overcomers. He wants us to be the overcomers that Jesus Christ has called us to be. And so John calls us and tells us what needs to take place, what has taken place, and what we need to carry on to. And he begins with the word, our birth. John says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him, who begot also loves him, who has also begotten him. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and keep His commandments, for this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. Now, John here comes to us in this letter that he writes in 90 AD to a group of churches, and Ephesus included, about the errors that are going on in the church and how we need to fight them, and the test in our own personal life of how we are to obey the commandments. How we are to love as Jesus Christ loved. And that our doctrinal statements fit that Jesus Christ is the Lord who came to earth. A God and man. And how we are to find and wholly follow him. In chapter 2, John spoke about the obedience, the love, and the belief. And you see, what happens is John keeps coming around. He's like a good coach and keeps on reminding us of the fundamentals. And he wants us to get them down right. How many times do we as parents have to say and remind our children about certain things day in and day out? This is John. He's doing this to us. And he also talks about obedience again. He talks about belief again. He talks about love again. And he talks about the doctrinal test. And if you remember the test that he made, he said, you really want to know that you're a Christian because these Gnostics were saying that you're really not Christians. He says, these are how you know. Number one, that you're obeying God. Number two, that you're loving your brothers. Number three, your doctrine is sound. And John keeps on going over this again and again. But notice what he says here. He says where this all comes from in this chapter. And he says it's begotten in you. Whoever loves the father who also loves the child who is born. And the word there is geneo, which means begotten. It's come from you. God drew it out of you. He had it happen in you. Not like a mother's birth. That is word tekko, which means she gives birth physically to a child. Here he's talking about begetting our life and belief in Christ. And it comes from Him so that we can believe in Him. Our nature is so wicked, we don't have that desire. And it's not until God gives birth or regenerates it into our hearts. And He gives a solid reasoning that the Father's love is for us. And He wants to draw this into our life. And that belief is strong and built on His power and not our own. And He gives a solid reason then. And He says to us... That we are to love then the brother. That's how you really know that love is truly born inside of your heart when you start loving people who are unlovable. Now it's interesting. In this passage, and it's interesting how different translations translate it. You see, the New International Translate says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And the impression is, is that your new birth comes because of what you believe. But that's not what John is saying. If you read the Greek, he is saying that believers, the present tense of the verb has been that you're born from God and that then you can believe. To become a Christian, you must be born again and you must be born again in order to believe in God. Billy Graham produces some of that because he gives people a chance to respond in his crusade, which is wonderful. But what he says is to become a Christian, you must be born again. And that is true. But when you go to say, in order that you are born again, you must believe, John is saying the opposite. He's saying in order to believe, you must be born on the inside. And this is the work that God does inside us to make us alive to the truth of being saved and being born again and believing. Notice again, everyone who believes in Jesus Christ has been born of God. Past tense. So what happens is in order for us to believe, God's Spirit needs to work in our hearts to bring about this love and change in our hearts and to forgive us. And that we become born again and we can believe in the Son of God. You see, Satan doesn't want us to know this. He wants to make us think that we have the victory by ourselves. And, and John wants us to have the victory in Christ. He wants us to know that we have this great victory ahead of us in Christ. That we belong to him. And a majority of the people in this world do not believe even in Satan. They don't believe that you're, And they think of, oh, Dave, you believe in this guy with the red suit and the fork and the, the ears on it. No, 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 no. Satan is a diabolical force and being... Who's a fallen angel and his demons work with him. And that he wants to overcome the world. We see the great battle that he talks about in Ephesians 6. Paul does. And that if we really want to overcome. We need to have this locked into our hearts. That we need to be born from above and have the power of God within us. That we can believe in him. And that we are warriors in the battle. You're a warrior every day. Do you realize when you sit down in your living room and you watch a TV show, you're in a battle? Because what happens? You go to one channel. Their profanity is something what you want to hear. Then you go to the next channel. They've got more skin showing than they do of clothing showing. Then the next channel. You hear them mock Christianity. Put Christ on the stand. Or then you have another channel, but who knows what else. You see, this is the world we live in. And every place we go, there's challenges to our Christianity. Even to the stuff that we buy in the stores or some things that we want to get into. It's a battle. And we need to fight that battle. And we can overcome it, the Bible says, because we have the power of God in us, born of us, and also that lives within us. See, this new birth produces in us the belief in God, but then also it brings out a new obedience to God. That victory is in our homes. And here these people were being persecuted and people were being tried for their faith and told that they didn't believe and it was confusing to them. And what we find here is John says, if you're born of God, you obey him. You love him, and the more you get to love him and to know him, the more you will have victory in your heart. It seemed that that we as a church need to be conquering. Now, can you imagine these people hearing these words and they're having their loved ones taken out of their homes, or they're being persecuted for what they believed? You see, John is speaking to them and said, but you are victorious. You have the victory in Christ. He will give you the victory. You're his children. And by this we know that we are the children of God, that we keep his commandments, he says. Think about it. It doesn't mean whether we feel like it or not. It doesn't mean whether or not I'm in the mood to follow Jesus. It's that we are there in the zone every day. A grandfather who was a country preacher, didn't have much of an education, But he said to his grandson, who was a newlywed, he said to him, don't try to make your love hold your marriage together. He says, sometimes your marriage is held together, not by love, but by a willingness to be committed to God in Jesus Christ. It depends on our willingness to obey. You may not like that spouse. I was reminded uh, this morning as somebody said that her mother told her one time, my little son, who now is our big boy, back in the, just turned 36 years old, went down to see his, her mother one day and said that his mom and dad had had a fight. And mom had told him that he could go back to New Jersey if she really wants him to go. Well, the truth of the matter is, and that was true, there are times we don't like each other. We may love each other. We may not like each other at that moment, maybe because we're being confronted about a fault or doing something wrong. But you see, John says, it doesn't matter your emotions or what you're feeling at that point. Love is action. And that means stepping up and listening and being willing to commit to that marriage because you made that commitment, Dave, 44 years ago in Marion, Iowa, to your wife And so you continue to follow that commitment that you made to me, Dave. Obedience comes hard, especially when you want to be in charge. Let's face it, people who like to run things and like to control things have a hard time adjusting. And God calls us to love each other, to obey his commandments, and to work together in this commitment whether it be a marriage or a friendship or a relationship, that we love God and we're willing to give ourselves to the process of bringing healing. When couples work through difficulties in their marriage, their marriage grows stronger. This is the tragedy of young marriage today. They think if it's not going their way, they just have to leave. That's the worst thing you could do. Rather, staying at it and continuing to fight and work together to bring about the good solution. How do we know the commandments of God? We need to be in the Word every day. To be encouraged to do these things that God calls us to, not only in our marriages, but raising children and doing all the things that are necessary in life. And if we stay out of fellowship with the Word... How are we going to know what God wants? And notice what he says today. You know, he says that these are not burdensome. You know why? Because he knows through the test of time, these things are good to us. They make us stronger and want us to have a relationship with God deeper. But also, too, they deepen us in maturity. And they're not burdensome, but they're for our own good. Jesus says to us, Take your yoke and come unto me, all ye who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you. What he's talking about there is sin. Sin has a way of being burdensome and dragging us down. And Jesus wants us to feel free from that. It's like this past week I was talking to a friend. We were talking about a grudge that he had. And I said to him, Do you realize that grudge you're holding? You are not holding it. It has got you pinned up against the wall. And it's holding you back from enjoying life. Because you continue to think about this person. You're being held back. Don't let that sin hold you down. But let yourself be free from that. And forgive them. And go on with your life. And you see John talks about this kind of faith. That we trust what God says. We believe what he says. And faith only appears in this epistle. One time as a noun. And John is describing our action. And this is the victory we have that overcomes the world. What is it? Our faith. It's taking our faith and putting it what the words say about God. And what he says to us to do. And it brings a maturity to our lives so that we can walk through the impossible problems of life. There are Christians or young Christians who believe the Bible is impossible to follow. It's not impossible. The only reason why it's a burden to people is because they want to do it their way, not God's way. And when God speaks and gives us the wisdom, I've heard people say and claim to be Christians, they say, well, why do I have to do it that way? I said, because the Bible says so. Oh, can't I do it another way? We had that happen with Naaman. Naaman was told to go wash in the dirty Jordan River. He said, We got great waters all around here that are clean. Why do I have to go? Because God said so. And when he finally went down to God's river of Jordan that was dirty and he came out, he was cleansed from his leprosy. And many people want to rebel what God has to say, and he's got it right there, and we don't want to listen to it. You see, David had this attitude. When you read Psalm 119, it's a long psalm. But it's a powerful psalm. Because the psalm is about the Word of God. And it's marvelous. Only two times he doesn't praise, say, a law or a precept or a command what's in God's Word. Only two verses out of like 150. And what does he say? He says, God's Word is like honey to my lips. His commands are worthy and praiseworthy. I love, I delight in God's Word. It's like honey. He even sings songs about God's Word. Why? Because he loves the Word, because he knows it protects him. He knows that it gives him guidance. It's a light unto his path. He knows what God has laid in there for, for our good. And he even sings about it. You see, and this is all that maturing Love. That happens in us because we've been born of God. You see, when we're born of God, we have belief that lasts. When we're born of God, we have a love, we have a love for His commands. What he says, they're not burdensome. We want to do them because we know they're protections to us. They're helpful for us. They give us the strength that we need. And that we also know they produce love. You know, it's amazing to me how sin ruins people's lives. They disobey God. They're selfish. And what happens is we begin to lose confidence they lose their faith. And they start pretending and trying to cover. Remember, David, how he tried to pretend and cover up his sin. And it just brought him more misery. But when he got back into knowing and loving God's word and following it, it made the world of just difference. You see, John wants us to understand that in following God's commandment, and when they're a delight, that's how you know you're born from above, when you delight in what God has to say. Everyone loves the Father, loves his son who's born of him, and he enables us to love people. You know, John wants us to see that in our lives. John goes on to the second verse, and he says, By this you know that we love the children of God when we love God. John is turning it around now. He's saying this is how we really see that you love God because you're loving people. And when you're loving people, you're really loving God. And what he's saying is, is there's an inseparability. That's why he made those two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. Those are inseparable. And we see this all through his epistle, that if you don't love your neighbor, then how can you claim that you love God? Because your love for God generates a love for your neighbor because God loves them. And so you're to love them. You see, we're living in a cultural confusion today. And this is the scary thing for me, even in the church And it reminds me that, you know, of the days when the book of Judges, where it says, everyone did right in his own heart. That's the moral decay, the depravity. And that's the confusion that has come into the church. And what we have done in the church is we've lost the salt. We've lost the light. We're supposed to be the ones reforming our society so that people can see the true light of God's gospel and have lives free from sin. And instead, we're condoning sin. We're capitulating to the culture. And this is the tragedy of liberal Christianity. They have nice hearts, but they're capitulating to the world and they're having no impact on the culture, but they're Taking it all in and just saying it's okay. This is not God's way. And you see, God wants us to see that we need to be born inside and that we obey God. We see that. When we love our brother, we see that. And we're changed as individuals, but that we do not capitulate. The same thing is in the church we do not capitulate to culture. We tell these children that these things are wrong to save them. And their lives need to be changed. I was reading about a powerful illustration from World War II. There was a guy by the name of Louis Zapparini. Who was an Olympian. And during World War II, he was a flyer. And there has been a book called Unbroken and a movie made about him. Because Louis Zapparini, after the Olympics, he went into World War II and had a ditches plane outside of Hawaii. And what had happened was he drifted 2,000 miles and for 47 days was on a raft alone. And what had happened was he got picked up by the Japanese. And for the last two years of World War II, he spent them in a concentration camp. And during that time, he was tortured, he was starved. And one of the tragedies that happened out here in in America is President Roosevelt sent his family um, a death certificate signed by Roosevelt and brought to his door that he was dead. And after World War II, the Allied forces set them free in Zamperini, left Japan in 1945 and he hated Japanese people. He couldn't stand them. He wouldn't even walk on the same side of the street. But then in 1949, he went to hear this young man who was preaching at L.A. And he went to his meeting And there he heard Billy Graham speak and gave his life to Christ. Then he was born again. And Zapparini began to be a changed man. He told his friend, there's such a charge in his life that I feel I have a duty to perform. And they said, well, what is the duty you have to perform? He said, I've got to go back to Japan. And I've got to go preach the gospel, the saving power of Jesus Christ to the people of Japan. We thought you hated him. I did. But the love of Christ changed that. And so he went back. And Zapparini was a transformed man because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, that's what it produces if we allow Christ to touch us our faith it says here for whatever born of god overcomes the world and this is the victory that we have overcome to the world our faith his faith was in jesus christ his faith was trusting that christ would change him and he did there's many conquerors who tried to conquer the world and they wound up floundering at the end alexander the great went to afghanistan almost and he was killed by bacteria Rome and the Parthians, weather killed them. Hitler believed that he could have the Thousand-Year Reich reign and was stopped by the weather also in Stalingrad. But here the Bible says the victory is ours. And that theme of victory now he brings on the set. And he wants us to know that we're victors. We're not pushed around and have to hide for ourselves. We are victors in Jesus Christ. And I know sometimes we feel like we're losing the battles. Don't believe it. The war is on, folks. And we are going to be victors. We, by our faith, realize that the conflict is not between Russia and the United States. The conflict is not between China and the United States or globalism and nationalism. Political parties are vaxxers or non-vaxxers. It's a spiritual warfare. It's a war that goes on behind the scenes with Satan and his demons and using the world and the flesh to disrupt and destroy the gospel of Jesus Christ and to stop it from going forth. But realize, he's a defeated foe. And the Bible tells us we're not fighting for victory. We are fighting from victory. Christ has gotten the victory for all of us. And he's overcome death and Hades. And the kingdom of God is going to reign. And we're going to be part of that. And there's nothing going to be able to stop it. You know, I've been enjoying listening to a different interpretation of revelations called the historicist view. And it's a marvelous way to listen to how history and God has worked through history. And continue to give victory to the church of Jesus Christ. Because we have a tremendous fighter, Jesus Christ. In the book of Revelations you see there's nothing that happens that without God's say so or it's going to get done. And that we are now, right now, as Christians, you're being bullied. You know what it's like being bullied for somebody who's a loser? And so they find somebody who they can pick on. I remember when I was in seventh grade, I was a weak little kid, and this guy was picking on me all the time until, (laughs) until he met my neighbor, Big Bobby. Bobby was quite a big boy. And he one day caught this guy, and he put him up against the wall with his shoes not touching the floor. He said, I ever hear you hurt this kid or you do anything to him, you're in trouble. Guess what? It stopped. I even selfishly did one of those. Stuck the tongue out. But I knew now I was protected. And this is what John is saying to us. We are protected from the bully. We have victory. Greater is he that is in you in chapter 4 than he that's in the world. You're protected by him. And we can resist him. We don't have to put up with his baloney. In fact, in Revelation, it says they conquered him, the devil, by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony and what they loved their lives, even to the point of death for Christ. That's the victory we have. We don't have to put up with it anymore. We're victorious. Because we've been changed. We're new people. There was a man who was very interested in this business that this other fellow had that put out this paper that was tremendous back in England. And he went to his factory and he says, well, where do you get the materials for this paper that you make? It's, it's, it's a rag paper. He said, look, and there were piles of old rags that they had. And what they did is they had a process of washing, cleaning, and taking those rags through and making them paper. Quality paper that everybody in England wanted because it was so distinguished. And on the next day, the guy, he still didn't believe it. A courier from the factory came and gave him a ream of this cloth paper with his embossed initials on the top. And there was a note on the first sheet that said, dirty rags transformed. And see, that's what God does to us. He takes us and cleans us up and makes us this beautiful image for his glory that's victorious because we have this new birth. And because of this new birth, we believe and we live our lives out. And God is going to give us the victory he already has. And that's the proclamation that we have then. John says it so well. He, who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? That's us. And we have this victory in Christ. A victory over death. Victory in life. That we can walk with Christ. And be the light in a dark world. And not fear loss. But that we know that we've been crucified with Christ. And that's no longer us living, but Christ lives inside of us now. And that we will someday sit at heaven with Christ. And that He is seated at the rule and authority and power above all the earth. This is Christ. And that's the beauty that we see. Even in the book of Revelation, no matter how you treat that book, you realize that the only one that says anything happens is that God says it. Nobody has a chance to do anything except God says now or go ahead. Why? Because God is in control. and Because Jesus Christ is our victor. And so that we can overcome in Christ. You know, we as Christians sometimes walk around like we've lost the battle. We get discouraged. I hear people complaining all the time. We were all complaining. And we don't really have what we know we have. I was reading about a Civil War veteran. Who wandered from place to place. Didn't have a home. Begging for a bed, begging for food. We see them here in Wichita. But he always claimed that Lincoln was his friend. And because of his injuries, he was unable to hold a steady job. He couldn't keep going, but he had to. But he just loved his president. And one day he told the guy that he knew Lincoln. He said, how do you know Lincoln? I don't believe you know Lincoln. He says, well, I have a paper in my wallet that says he signed for me. And the man replied, oh, really? And sure enough, he produced out of his wallet this paper that had Lincoln's signature on it. And he showed the man, he said, I don't do much reading, but I know that's Lincoln's signature. I saw him do it. And the man looked at it and looked over his spectacles and said to him, Sir, do you realize what you have here? You have a generous federal pension authorized by President Lincoln. You are not a pauper and a beggar. You are a rich man. He didn't realize it. It was all in his pocket. And friends, we are not paupers. We are victors. We stand above all else because we've been born of God and we're a child of God and we have the faith in God who will give us the victory. And as we obey, he will give us the victory because we have this maturing love that we're growing in him, knowing him better. And gaining the victory. And I know there are times that it's so easy to get caught off track. Like that beggar who didn't know what he had. It's easy to go to the world and have friendship with the world. Or to spot the world a little bit. Or, or to love the world. Or to conform to the world. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to claim the victory that our God who's given to us richly fulfillingly, wonderfully to us as we come to read His Word and know what He has for us. That's the beauty, and we are victorious as we do that every day. Claim that victory, friends. You know, one of the most prominent names in sports apparel is the name Nike. I bet you everybody in this room has something made by Nike, whether it be shoes or a shirt or whatever. And chances are that somebody has, we all have Nike, or I know I have a lot of it. In 1989, when that company started out, they sponsored Michael Jordan's Nike Air Jordans. They still trailed behind Reebok and Sales. But that all changed in 1989 at the end during the baseball season when a young graduate from Auburn University by the name of Bo Jackson signed a contract with a baseball team and a football team. Bo was going to play both sports. And they had this campaign that said, Bo knows. Well, during the Major League Baseball All-Star Game in Anaheim, the leadoff batter was Bo Jackson. And Bo swung and hit the first fastball that came down the place and there was a dart that came from his bat and went straight 440 feet into the stands for a home run. And it just so happened That inning, Nike's ad came out and said, Bo knows. And after that, Nike became the global leader in sportswear. But you know what? That name is not owned by Nike. That name is named, owned by us as Christians. Because guess what word John uses for overcomes? Nike. And that means we've overcome. That term belongs to us as Christians. And not only does that own to us, but there's another word in the Bible <laughs> that sounds a lot like Uber. How many have ever taken an Uber? I have. Well, guess what? What? Paul in Romans eight thirty six he uses the word uper Nike we're more than overcomers because of Jesus Christ. And look at what Paul writes about that. And that's what I want you to leave in your head today. He says Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction? Can distress, can persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, Paul says, Because of you, God, we are putting to death all the day long, and we are counted as sheep to the slaughter. No, in all these things we are more than Super Nike, more than conquerors, through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you sense that today? Do you feel that in your heart? Have you come to the place in your life that Christ has actually born you eternally in your heart and you've accepted him by faith and to know for certain that no matter what happens, we are conquerors through Jesus Christ. We're home in heaven. If you don't know that, please today make that happen. That you come to Christ and that you get in God's zone. That you stay in God's zone. And that you become Uper, Nike, an overcomer, more than an overcomer in Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for your word We thank you for the reminders that we need because sometimes, Lord, we feel defeated. We feel frustrated. We feel tired and worn out. But we thank you, Lord, that you remind us that we are more than conquerors because you loved us. You regenerated our hearts and that we know you and we've accepted you by faith. Oh, Lord, help us to feel that every day and not be afraid, but to be conquerors (laughs) and filled with joy in our hearts to live lives that are pleasing to you, that are committed to following your commands because they delight our hearts and we know what they're for and that we love our brothers and sisters. And that we follow you for all the days of our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Please rise for the benediction. And sing of our closing song. And now may the Lord who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Shine in your heart to, be, to give you the glory of Jesus Christ. And the victory he promises. Amen.